Podcast, presented by Bruins Life. Final 10 seconds, Marshawn to Bergeron, he scores! By Trudy's To the back, it comes now for Nordstrom. Pushed it across Grizzly. Fires! And that one went out in front. Rebound score! It's Corelli out of a net mouse scramble. Lots of time out high. Two players go to one. Here comes a shot from the point. It's hits Wagner, and then the rebound right to Corelli. On Grizzly, turnaround shot from Borowiecki hits the pile. Pasternak two on one with Marshawn against DeMello. Marshawn curling, drag, Pasternak scores in your face. Riley. Krejci takes it away. Krejci to Coyle. Welcome back to the Spoke Beat Podcast presented by Bruins Life, ladies and gentlemen. I am Jesse Gaunts, and I am joined by Zach Weiner, Lauren Campbell, and Sam Tracy. How are we doing, everybody? Five and one. Feeling good. Yeah, I, uh, I kind of feel like an idiot. Not that I don't feel like an idiot every day in my life, but especially when it comes to this team, because I said in our first episode that I was worried about a hangover. And it's just been the exact opposite. They've been playing lights out hockey. And really, if you know, if we want to complain about something, they really should be undefeated because that Colorado game was bullshit. But Seriously. I can't really argue with a five one and zero start to start this year after being worried about a hangover. I don't think I was the only one that was worried about it. But I mean, as we've seen before, these things are definitely real. But just to go down the list of things that have gone right so far. They're getting insane goaltending from both Tukarask and Yaroslav Halak, which I think was to kind of be expected, but it's nice to see that it's being carried out. Their defense, once again, is proving that it's elite. It's a top three defense in this league. In fact, I think they lead the NHL. Yeah, they do. They lead the NHL in goals allowed per game. They're posting a 1.67 clip, which is just, it's it's awesome. And they're doing this without Kevin Miller and John Moore, who... Miller more so was an integral part of that defense last year, and Moore came on in the playoffs after I think a lot of people were shitting on him in the regular season. And Zach mentioned this pre-show and said this in the uh, the content sheet that we go off of uh, a couple hours before the show, but the two standouts on D have been Tory Krug and Zidane Chara. And it's crazy to say that Chara has been a standout at 42 years old, but he's really played well, and Krug is just proving that he absolutely should not be trade bait and should be resigned. And at this point, I'm willing to pay him whatever he wants. First line's playing great um, after a no-show in the postseason. So it's nice to see that they're back. But the biggest problem is, and this was a problem for a lot of last year, is that the second line is not pulling the weight. David Krejci's been injured for most of the season. Jake DeBrusque hasn't done much of anything. And they're still not they're still looking for another wing to go on that line right now. A lot of, uh, a lot of it has been Carson Kuhlman, Brett Ritchie's played up there. I think Krejci's out tonight. Correct me if I'm wrong. So I think I saw the lines this morning and is he it is, Ritchie? Yep, he's out tonight. So is it yeah, Ritchie so we'll do... that's playing on this? 
Yes. Yeah. So what they're doing is they're they're moving coil up to the second line, which I guess, you know, it's early in the season, so that's fine. But we it's been proven both in the postseason last year, the preseason this year and early this year that coil is just perfect for that third line. So they're kind of messing that up. But again, it's it's early season. You're going to have to mix and match throughout the year. So, yeah, so they're moving coil up and he's going to center Richie and DeBrusque. And then um, Lindholm, who belongs on the fourth line, is going to center um, Heinen and Kuhlman, who, you know, we can get into in a little bit, but that's what the lines are looking for tonight, which is really, you know, it, tonight's a big test. Uh, you know, Tampa, legit team, division game. You got a couple of big games coming up uh, over the weekend and next week with Toronto. So, you know, I'm not crazy about the lineup tonight, but again, that's, you know, nothing we haven't seen before with this team and its health. And I think a lot of it, too, um, has to do with Krejci being out, obviously Krejci being out, but you think, you know, David Pasternak has experience on that second line. He has chemistry with people on that second line. And even though the first line is back to being the first line that we saw last season, it's probably worth experimenting if that second line can't get going. And we know Bruce Cassidy will do this, is to shift Pasternak down to the second line. And then I don't really think Heinen should go to the first line, but there's we've seen Cassidy do crazy things with the lines and if something does not work out with the third line, the fourth line, or second line, we will know he, we, that he'll switch these lines in-game. And he'll do what he thinks is best, especially against Tampa. And that's one of their biggest rivals every season. So I think if so, – I think it'll be quick. I think if something like doesn't work within the first two shifts of each line, you're going to see changes. So those are all, all all very good points. One thing I would just say is, so Lauren, to your point, just to add on a little bit, is like, I was going to say Cassidy loves to, to, to mix and match. And um, it's like the he's into that problem again, which is a, is a, is a good problem to have. But he's into that problem again, where uh, the first line is playing so well that he, you know, you can't split them up, even though he would if he had to. But really what it highlights to me is how in need we are of a, of a top six winger. I know I'm not breaking any news with that statement, but you see that Krejci is out with an injury and the whole bottom nine just goes to completely to hell. And they have to really start playing around and everything. Whereas if you had another you know, big time winger or like if Carson Kuhlman was doing a little more than what he, you know, than what he is doing. But I, I believe he's playing to his capabilities and, and, and is not enough. So, you know, it's a problem because if Krejci were to go down and we had another legit top six winger, we wouldn't be in this predicament. But Krejci goes down, DeBrusque is just not enough to really carry to carry the load. So that's that's what they're dealing with right now. So that uh, they're playing well. Goaltending's great. Defense is great. I don't think we're going to see any moves in the calendar year of 2019. But come January, February time, they really, really need to figure out what they're going to do in the top six. Because playing without Krejci, you see how much this lineup falls apart a little bit. But what if the answer is already in Providence? Because, I mean, you look at what Anders Bjork is doing down there, and I know Lauren's going to go just be so happy when I say this, but he's been he's been amazing. and. I mean, he's been shit on a lot because he's been injured, but that might be your answer. I mean, but that's he's the probably thing, though, a better about Bjork, option though. than anything you're going out there right now. 
But that's the thing about Bjork, though, is that, you know, he hasn't really gotten a fair shake up at the NHL level, you know? Right. Well, that that's why I'm saying I think now is as good a time as any to give him a shot. I mean, you're rolling Definitely. Brett Ritchie, who's a career, what, third, fourth liner out on your second line tonight in a game. I know, you know, I wouldn't call an October game against Tampa important, but is the answer in Providence, though? Like, I think Anders Bjork des- uh, deserves a call-up. I mean, he's only played five games in Providence this season, but just look at what he's done. He's got three goals and three assists for six points. He's a plus three. I mean, that, to me, is better than anything they have on their second line. And these games, I don't, I don't want to call an October game against Tampa important, but, I mean, they're, they won the President's Trophy last year. They're a Stanley Cup favorite this year. At least, I think literally everybody on NHL.com picked them to go to the Stanley Cup final, which, I mean, I know that's not really saying too much because experts are wrong more often than they're right, but that's kind of a measuring stick game to see where you are this early in the season. And then you've got two games against Toronto, who in all likelihood you're going to end up meeting in the playoffs at some point. And then you've got St. Louis coming in here for a Stanley Cup final rematch. So these next four games, I wouldn't call them must-win games, but they're pretty big games just to see where you stack up against the better teams in this league. So to me, I mean, if you're going to consider making a move, I think a call-up right now might not be a bad idea, especially because when you look at they're rolling Brett Ritchie out on their second line. I mean, that to me is not a guy who's a top six win. I know Bjork hasn't gotten a fair shake because he's been injured and a lot of people are shitting on him, but am I crazy or is now a good as, uh, as good a time as any to give him a shot? I think now is a good time. Like whether that's after today, whether that's after the first game with Toronto, I think it's worth taking a shot just because he has played really well down in Providence and I was I was kind of back and forth on this, even though I'm I love Anders Bjork, like that's that's my guy. But we want him to get that confidence that he talked about in the off season and during training camp, just for those puck battles and going into the boards and not worry about that shoulder. And he can say he's 100. percent I'm sure he's as close to 100 percent he's going to get right now. But one wrong hit, just like the last two years, and he's back down in Providence for two more years because he can't just catch a break with these shoulder injuries. But do I think right now is a good time? I do, because there is something missing on this team, no matter how well they're still playing. And it's you can't depend on one line. And we saw that in the playoffs because we depended pretty much on one line all regular season. and They're non-existent in the playoffs. And obviously, we know what happened. So I do want to see Bjork up here as much as any other person. And I see people on Twitter just absolutely just going to war for him, which I love. But we do have to think, too, he has only played five games. Is that confidence there? Like, will the confidence he has right now translate to the NHL level right now? And I guess the only way to find that out is if they call him up. I, I totally agree. I, I, I felt before the season started, you know, we already were seeing some injuries with Bergeron and Krejci. And I, I always feel, especially early in the season, to practice patience with this. I don't want these guys forcing themselves into the lineup that's only going to create problems come April. You know, because then when, when the playoffs are over and we find out about all the injuries, you hear things like, oh, yeah, he's been dealing with this since, since October. It's like, well, maybe sit him out a few games, you know. So, I, I, like, I don't when – I, when I heard – like, Krejci already had an injury going into the season. Then I hear he gets an upper body injury uh, against Anaheim. 
So I'm saying, yeah, keep him out tonight. Practice patience. And I feel the same way like you're saying, Lauren, with, with Bjork, the very, my very long way of making that point, that he's, he dealt with a vicious season-ending injury last year. He's been in and out of the lineup so much that it, it could be shaking on his confidence. I say let him dominate AHL a little bit and, and keep him there. Jesse, to your point, Yes, you're, you may be right or you're, that the answer is within. We were saying that the answer was within, you know, two years ago. Um, you know, we were very excited about him. And then he's just he's been unable to stay healthy. Um, but, you know, when he's in the lineup, he's not playing in the bottom six. He's in that top six. So the answer could be there. Um, but in the meantime, it's just, it is frustrating um, to see Brett Ritchie move up to, you know, to second line right wing. Um, you know, when when Krejci goes down, to, to, it shows that like this team has a lot of depth, but we're trying to be patient patient with that depth. Um, and so we got to like a, you know guy who's a little more of a grinder is is moving up. That's a little frustrating. So you know, a big 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 subject that we discussed in the in the last episode, first episode of the season, um, was David Backus, who I you know I think some. Some Bruins fans would say, why are you guys still talking about this? You know, move on. Um, but I think we do have a little bit of a Bacchus watch going on of what, what's going on with him. He's been in and out of the lineup um, there. And the reason why I think this is important is to a different point that I wrote to you guys before the show. And that's Carson Kuhlman. Lauren, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on Kuhlman so far. I think he's like playing up to his ability. He's extremely fast. But... The, the stats are just not there. Like, they're not – that second line, like Jesse said at the beginning of the show, the, the stats are not there. So, uh, like, because of that, you know, that kind of allows Bacchus to move in and then move out of the lineup. Um, but then Bacchus, you know, maybe you want to talk about people not getting opportunities. You know, he's kind of being thrown on the fourth line, not really doing much there. So I, I feel like Bacchus is a little bit of limbo while Kuhlman gets a lot of playing time. I don't know. Your thoughts on those – on those two? Yeah, I, I'm not sure what what the whole thing is with Carson Coleman. I didn't think he was the answer last year, and I'm not seeing that he's the answer this year. Um, so I'm not sure why they're so hellbent on sticking with him right now. He's played six games, no points, minus two. I mean, I'm not really a big plus-minus person, but if I'm going to throw that out there for stat sake. And it's just like, what is he doing that David Baggis can't contribute like, what does he bring me more of? Maybe it's the speed, but he's too fast for his own good. And I kind of saw this with Jake DeBrusque when he first came up. It was just he was too fast for his own good. And he was he needed to catch up with himself. I don't know if that's what Coleman needs to do. He's only 24, so maybe that's the issue. But I, I want to see more of Bacchus because uh, I know he's only played three games. I don't think he's getting a fair shot. Meanwhile, Coleman's played all six games. So... I think there's a way to get back in that lineup for at least two games out of the uh, next four games. We'll see if that happens. But I think, and I said this on our last show, I think you need that veteran presence, even though Char is there, Bergeron's there, Marchand's there. But you need that big body. You need that veteran presence and just somebody who knows how to lead a team. Even though we have a team of leaders, I just don't think Carson Kuhlman fits in this lineup the way David Backus does. Is it worth giving him a shot on the second line when David yes. Krejci is healthy? Yes. So, uh, that, when, that was going to be. That's yeah. my thought. Is that 
if he worked so hard to improve his skating in the offseason and he lost weight and he got a little bit faster, there's no better way to show it than playing in a top six role. So I was going to say that with Krejci out tonight, um, you know, maybe Bacchus could play well with Coyle. I don't really know. But I feel a lot more confident, um, you know, giving Bacchus a shot on that top six when, let's say, you know, a guy like Richie or Coolman or even DeBrusque are out. I think he plays well with Krejci. Yeah, and I mean, if, you know, Bax is going to live up to this contract, which, I mean, we're in, what, year four of it, so the yeah. chances of him living up to it at all at this point are probably kind of slim. But, I mean, look at look at what he did in the pre like, you know, no, like, you know, eye-popping stats in the preseason, but for stretches, he looked pretty good. I mean, I know he's, you know, playing against inferior competition for the most part, but You've tried a bunch of other things. Why not try him at this point? I don't understand why they haven't gone to him. It just seems like he's in a rotation of, to, you know, not to bring other sports into this, but he's in a rotation of bench players. And I just For feel sure. like he, somebody at his age, you know, I know he's 35 years old, but he's been around this league forever. I think he deserves a fair shot on a second line. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I mean, you, you know, you've tried everything else at this point. What can it hurt besides unless you're going to call up York tonight, which obviously they're not. No, going to so, do. Right. so I was going to say I would I would let's let's say in a, in a given world, let's say we're living in a world where Krejci's healthy. I would actually move. I would put Bacchus on the second line before I called York up, not because I'm trying to hold Bjork down, but because, like I said before, I want to give him more time. Yeah. And yeah. the other thing is, too, I, I'm sorry, Lauren, go ahead. No, I, say, I think that makes perfect sense. I mean, you've tried everyone else on the second line. You'll shift people from the first line down to the second line like why not just see if it works because you've seen if other things work and especially if Krejci comes back because I think being able to put essentially anyone with Krejci and he's able to play with them he's able to adapt really just kind of shows his importance to the team so if he's not the answer to Bacchus but if he can get Bacchus in a groove and kind of I'm sure Bacchus is lacking confidence right now but get that confidence back up and get him on the ice and regular minutes it, it might be a game changer Here's another thing. I actually wanted to bring this up while we were talking about calling up Bjork, but if I know they're being careful with Bjork and they obviously should be because he's been injured so long and, and whatnot. If they're going to call somebody up and it's not going to be Bjork, a, lo- a name that's been thrown out there a lot has been Jack Spadika, and I wonder if maybe they'd give him a chance or if it's kind of the same thing with Bjork where it's way too early. Yeah, a little bit of development, development. But what about, you know, the, you want to talk about someone who hasn't really gotten a fair shot. I, I, I think if uh, Peter Solaric gets called up one more time and plays like one game and gets sent back down, I think if that happens one more time, like oh, there's some Bruins fans who are going to riot. You know, uh, he's someone who also plays real, real well down in, in the AHL. He's given the Bruins some some big moments. I remember, remember a couple of years ago they had that road trip uh, San Jose and Vegas and LA. He's he he had a big goal in San Jose when when the sh- the Bruins were really injured. The Sharks were heavily favored. Um, so he's a hard worker. Again, someone who hasn't really gotten his fair share. Some people were wondering if he was still going to be on the team this season. Well, he's down there. Um, so you know. The, everyone's highlighting how well Bjork's playing down there, but um, you know Providence as a whole is off to a really good start. Yeah, Solar. You mentioned Solaric having some big moments. This I wouldn't really consider this a big moment, but he's as you said, he's shown flashes. And I remember the one game I went to in Philly against the Flyers last year. Yeah, that was the game four to two. He had the first two goals of the game, and yeah. like 
nobody knew nobody could even find him on the ice like i remember his first goal he was just left wide open on the other side i forget who started that game for the flyers but he was left with a wide open net and nobody accounted for him and then his second goal was an absolute snipe so the dude's got a shot i mean he can score goals but i don't know i don't know what their what their deal is with him i'd like to see him get a fair shot i mean again you know not to beat a dead horse here but He's probably better offensively than anything you're putting out on your second line yeah. right now. I mean, and if Krejci's healthy, maybe this is a different conversation. I think they're probably just at this point treading water until Krejci's healthy, and then they make a move. That would be my guess. Agreed, and I would say also, you know, Bjork is a left shot, um, Solarik's a left shot, and we're talking about a right wing position right now. Not that it hasn't been done before, but I mean, to my point last episode, we we just keep making up names or coming up with names that uh, that are not Zach Senishin, which he keeps getting skipped over, and he's you know still he still got work to do down there, or else you know his Bruins days are in jeopardy. Yeah. All right. Listen. Let's get off the negative for a little bit because there's been a Hell lot yeah. of positive. Yeah, I, I feel like all we've been doing is just shit talking this team, and they don't deserve that. So let's focus on something a little more positive. We haven't we've talked briefly about the fourth line in this episode, and I want to touch on that a little bit more. Uh, I, I think they are, aside from the first line, your most consistent line right now, which in a way is good because you're getting production from your fourth line, and when all your other lines are healthy – you obviously know that this is a team that can roll four lines. And I mean, just seeing Chris Wagner back in the lineup has brought so much more energy to them, I think. And I think a lot of people underrate how big a loss that was in the cup final. I'm not saying that if he plays, they win the series, but you're seeing how much of a difference Chris Wagner makes on that fourth line. I think it energizes Sean Corrali, who's already an energetic player as it is. And I think it energizes Joaquin Nordstrom, who's, I wouldn't call him an energetic player, but he's a steady fourth liner, killed penalties. I mean, we all know this already. This isn't breaking any news. But, you know, when healthy, the fourth line is an indicator that this team is a four-line team, despite uh, what people say about them being a one-line team. I mean, ever since um, 2013, when the Merlot line was just dominating the NHL and single-handedly beat the Rangers in the second round, um, I just think we as Bruins fans are accustomed to having uh, a fourth line that is more than just an energy line. And uh, it's, Zach Ronaldo and Max Talbot. And yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's terrible. And it's like it's, it's become an expectation. So when you have Ronaldo and Talbot not really doing much, it, it, it's frustrating because we have an expectation. You know, we actually kind of skip over the third line. We don't care if the third line's crap as long as our fourth line is, is, is good. And I, I, I think they formed a really good identity last year. I'm happy they, they, to have these guys still. Um, and then, you know, so really the, I, I think what we're looking at for this season is – the fourth line, which will take the ice tonight, that's Corrali, Wagner, and Nordstrom. And then you're able to fit in um, either Lindholm um, or Richie or Backus when when needed, because obviously guys are going to go down. Um, but, you know, I like that, you know, what they did was they, they moved Lindholm up to the third line. This is one thing, um, you know, Lauren mentioned earlier about Cassidy constantly mixing and matching lines. Cassidy sometimes will break up the first line before he breaks up the fourth line, which I, I saw, I find interesting. So like in this case, you know, so you'll still have Marshan Berger on Pasternak, which you have to because of how well they're playing. Um, but he, what he did was he, he inserted Richie into the second line. He inserted Lindholm into the third line so that he could keep Corrali 
Wagner and Nordstrom together. And I, I, I frankly, I, you know, I said earlier, I'm not crazy about Richie uh, up there, but I love the move to keep that fourth line together because they're, they're, they're bringing it so far. Uh, like I said, they've been producing, um, they've been scoring a little bit. Um, you know, they're killing penalties when, when whoever is out there is out there. And um, I, 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 I think it's been great so far. It definitely has. And I think the fourth line is kind of, I mean, I know you guys just said this, that's kind of been looked over, but it's really the first and fourth lines that have really held this team together through the first five games. So through the first five games, the first and fourth lines had, you know, 4.2 points per game, 64 shots on goal combined, um, 14 block shots and 22 takeaways. And then you do the second and third lines, they had, you know, they're averaging a point a game, 49 shots on goal, which is still good. But then they have 12 block shots, seven takeaways, where it's like, okay, you see the two lines that are really holding the team together and really producing for this team. And maybe it's just a matter of time for the second and third line get going. I'm sure it is. And I'm sure a lot of that has to do with Krejci's absence. But, I mean, you see, you, I'm always someone to say, like, if it's, if it's not broke, don't fi- or Yeah, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So right now like these lines are working and the first and fourth particular in particular but i mean you just they're so fun to watch they they're they're energetic they they're putting pucks on net obviously and you just don't want to see what's working kind of get distorted you guys mentioned the third line briefly and i just want to bring this up real quick and then we'll move on um the third line to me is kind of a product of the second line right now and by that i mean you're not getting your ideal third line because your second line is banged up. So I, I really, I'm not worried about their production so much as I am the second line because the second line features Jake DeBrusque, who by all accounts is a 25 to 30 goal scorer and he's not pulling his weight right now. And that probably is because Krejci has been hurt. So once Krejci comes back, I think everything else will fall into place because then you can move Coyle down to the third line you can put Lindholm on the fourth line if you want to scratch somebody for a game or two. So I'm not worried so much about their production just yet as I am the second line. But even now, I, I would say that I'm not too worried about the second line's production just because Krejci is hurt. And obviously, I don't want to harp too much on Krejci because Lord knows that a lot of people do that. A lot of people don't think he's worth his contract and whatever else the case may be. But if this team is going to be successful, they need a healthy David Krejci. And last playoffs, you saw just how important to this team that he is. So for anybody out there who wants to trade him, I don't know if there are people out there who still exist, but if you if you exist and you want to trade David Krejci, don't. Just just stop. I'm with you. No, no, he's an, he's an integral part. I, I would trade Bacchus before I traded Krejci. Um He's he, he's definitely an integral part. I just think you know one of the you know you, you mentioned like we're we're getting a little uh, negative. I, I don't think it's negative. I just think you know even though we're so early in the season, you just look at the upcoming schedule: Tampa, Toronto, Toronto, St. Louis, and then the Rangers and the Sharks, and that's that's the rest of October. Um, you know th- th- those are games that you know especially the division games, the next three that you look back at later in the season as as you know four point games. So, um, and we all know, we all know Toronto is, they're constantly looking their traps for us. So, um, you know, really you want to see them get it out, get it out of the way early, um, and take care of these guys early. Um, the Rangers, by the way, tonight are playing, um, New Jersey. So it's the number one pick against the number two pick. And, uh, I think it's going to be an inter- interesting game. 
Yeah, Jack Hughes and uh, Mr. Kako over there. Um, yeah. I actually checked that out um, in between commercials of the uh, the Bruins and Lightning. But you just mentioned a couple other NHL teams, and you, you had said this in the content sheet, and I think this deserves a mention, but Connor McDavid, man, holy shit. 17 points, and he just looks like it's like men against boys out there. Yeah, look, he, he doesn't belong. No, it's like he's – I don't even – I don't even know if he's from this planet. Like, that's how good he is. <laughs> Not only that, dude, but James Neal. Like, who the yeah. hell would have thought James Neal would be leading the NHL right now in goals? He's a cast-off from the Flames from last year. He's got eight goals to go with Connor McDavid's 17 points. And the Oilers are surprisingly good. I say surprisingly because, I mean, let's face it, they've been awful for a long, for I don't even want to know how long. Yeah, I think they made the playoffs, what, like, Two years yeah, ago, they, three they years ago, out a little bit there. I mean, you know, but that like it was on the shoulders of McDavid, you know. But, so. but also, like the Oilers were looked at as one of the younger, up and coming teams, and I think there was. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it maybe like two or three years ago where some people were pegging them as like Stanley Cup, not favorites, but like a yeah. lot of people were picking them to win the West. Yeah, they were, and I mean, the thing is like. You know, this is something we always talk about, you know, when people are having the basketball versus uh, hockey argument that, you know, a team can have a LeBron James and automatically be a playoff team. Whereas in hockey, you can have Ovechkin or have Crosby and it's it's such a team game. It doesn't matter. But like, the, and then again, I know it's early, but like just watching some of these highlights of McDavid, it makes you feel like he could actually like he is at his best. He's in his best shape right now. He's at his best play and he could actually just put him on his shoulders and take him, you know, it's, it, yeah, it, it's stunning. He, some of these, these videos, he's had more than a point in every single game this year, except the one against Chicago where he didn't have any, but he had five last night against the flyers who have also yeah. surprisingly been pretty good so far in, in the early going. Yeah. So, and I, and I, I don't want to, Lauren, I apologize for uh, taking any of your time. I just, one last thing I want to say is you made a really good point about James Neal. He was on Nashville and lost the Stanley Cup. The very next year, went to Vegas, lost the Stanley Cup, and then went to Calgary and had a terrible year. And like you said, was a cast-off. I thought at that point, going into this offseason, he was, you know, he was done. And I felt bad for him almost, you know. And now look how he started the season. So that's a big-time, big-time pickup by Edmonton along with how McDavid's playing. Yeah, they're kind of crazy. I, I know when I see names trending on Twitter, I was like, oh, God, they're dead. But if I see Connor McDavid <laughs> trending on Twitter, I was like, oh, God, he's just destroying teams by himself. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened last night. I was like, well, let's see what he did. And I was like, Jesus Christ, like this man, I need to call the police. It's just, yeah. it's so unfair. And going off your point about James Neal, he's always been, you know, kind of a name that people know. And now I think he's kind of putting himself back on the map at the start of the season. But it is early. And both, I don't foresee it happening with like David more so Neil, but both of them could just burn out or hit the slump. And yeah. it's like, why did we sign Neil? Blah, blah, blah. Like, you know how hockey fans get. 100%. <laughs> so, I, so, I mean, I would say also, so, so yeah, it's, it's obviously very tough to predict players, but I, you know, it's, I always look at like, so right now, um, the Sabres, as they are, they're in their annual October first place position. Like, they, they are pretenders. Um, and, you know, they'll be falling down. Um, soon enough. Um, I look at a team um, like the Panthers, who are third to last 
uh, in the Atlantic. I actually see them as a much better team, at least on paper, than that. And I see them rising up the, the, the standings a little bit. Then we have Jesse's favorite team, the Hartford Whalers, are in first place in the Metro. I just don't see that sticking. The Penguins, the Capitals, um, you know, even the Islanders are, are better than how they're playing. Um, and then finally, I would also say to you that the, the Blue Jackets right now look okay. They're three and three. I think people are expecting them to be crap. I don't know if they're going to be crap. I, I don't. I don't see them as a playoff team this year. I think they, they're going to stick around middle of the road the whole the whole year. So with that in mind, just thinking about like you know six seven games into the season, who's a you know who's a contender, who's a pretender, the Oilers actually might might be legit this year. Just the the way they look, even if one of those players or a couple of their players flame out or you know have a cold streak throughout the year, they still might be built enough to. To, to be a playoff team, whereas Anaheim, who's in second place right now, I, I don't see that lasting much longer. You know the one surprise team? Well, I, I don't know if I'd call them a surprise team, but the team that I think surprises me the most so far of all the teams that are in uh, a playoff spot as of this moment would probably be the Penguins because I yeah. expected them to be pretty bad this year. They lost uh, Malkin and um, Bjork, uh, is it Bjorkstrain or is that, is that what I'm thinking of? Yeah. That they lost. And also, yeah. So Malkin's out, Malkin's out what, for like two months? And I don't know how long Bjorkstrand's out, but they're 5-2. and two. They got 10 points. They're in second place in the Metro right now. They have the best uh, goal differential in the East. I think actually it might even be the NHL. They're tied with Edmonton for the best goal differential in the NHL right now at plus 10. So, I mean, that's a team that, and I don't think I'm alone here when I say I didn't expect them to be very good. I mean, you saw how they just kind of backed into the playoffs last year and then got swept by the Islanders, and I exactly. kind of thought that the downward spiral was going to continue. Well, I'm I not surprised you know, yeah. at all. I'm not yeah. surprised at all that Carolina's in a playoff spot right now. I think that playoff run really um, set them up for success, especially now that I think they have the fans behind them. That team really fed off of its fans last year, and now the fans are showing up. So, I mean, I don't... I don't believe too much in home ice advantage, but I think in this case it has really worked for them. And I'm with you on Buffalo. I think they're pretenders. I think they'll fall out of line pretty soon because just looking at the the bottom of the Eastern Conference right now, and by bottom I mean teams that are not in a – well, actually, no, the Lightning are in a a wild card spot. I was looking at the wrong thing. But either way, the Lightning are going to end up being in first place in the division. We all know that. Buffalo is going to be on the outside – Detroit is in a playoff spot right now, which they'll probably fall back down to earth at some point. Um, I'm with you on Florida. I think they're probably better than they are. Um, Philly, I think, is probably better than they are. The the one surprise to me, um, and by surprise in this case, I just mean a team that's really bad, is New Jersey. I mean, they had – essentially, they had won the offseason, and, and they're 0-4-2, and they just looked I, – I, the only Devils game I watched was against the Bruins, but – I mean, they just look like they didn't even belong on the same ice, and it's just, it's sad. I just don't think. Yeah, I mean, they they, they don't have the goaltending. Corey Schneider is just not. He's not the the answer there. Um, fans happen to love him, um, at least the Devils fans that I know. Um, but he's 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 just not the answer there. Back going back to your Penguins for a second. You know, I, I the NHL is built. You know, we 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 get kind of um, you know kind of fogged because we're, we're Patriots fans. So, you know, but the, like, if you remember, like the NFL is built in a way that the Patriots should not exist for over 20 years, but, you know, Belichick has figured out that, that 
he's 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 cracked the code on the cap. So the NHL is the same way. So that even when the Blackhawks are winning three Stanley Cups in just a few years, um, they're still like you know the end is near for them because they're going to get into cap prison and they're going to fall apart. The same thing happened to the Bruins. They you know they went to two Stanley Cups um, and then it took them a few years to build back up. So I think after winning two Stanley Cups in a row, the Penguins have are hitting that Chicago Blackhawks reality now. Um, they, you know, like you said, they backed away into the playoffs last year. And I'm with you, Jesse. I, I, I don't think the Penguins are a playoff team this year. I think they're gonna, they're gonna fall little by little. They're just, you know, a lot of these teams, they, they, they front, they front load some of these contracts so they can stay good for a few years. But then, you know, it comes back to, to bite them. And that's why I think, you know, rounding this all out because it's a Bruins podcast. That's why we're very, very lucky that. McAvoy and Carlo signed what they signed and Krug, we would be very lucky if Krug kept his word and said he would take that pay cut because it enables the Bruins to not fall into that cap prison and actually keep their, their core players while other guys get ready for retirement. And you, you also prepare at a certain point, excuse me, to get David Backus off the books. So I'm not saying the Bruins are out of the woods by no means are they out of the woods. Um, but I am saying that that because they, you know, and it's a lot, of, it's a huge, huge credit, not only to Bruce Cassidy for the culture he's created there, um, but also guys like the veterans like Chara and Bergeron and even David Backus and, and David Krejci for building that culture that makes guys like McAvoy and Carlo want to work with Sweeney. So, um, you know, they should be happy and I, I am happy. Yeah, I I think you're right. I, I, you you used it. You, know, you summed it up perfectly when you said they built a culture there. I mean, there aren't many NHL players that I've heard of that will come out and say, "Yeah, I'm willing to take a hometown discount because I exactly. love it here so much." Charlie McAvoy said before he signed, "I want to be here forever," and I think Carlos did the same thing. Which I know in some cases that's at, that's athlete speak. I mean, right? We just heard Irving about a year ago tell us that he was going to resign with the Celtics and look where he is now. Right, so, right. But but here, like you that actually is, believe it. You know, no, I, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. Like some of it is bullshit, but with these guys, I actually believe it because they just like, this is what I love about Cassidy where I didn't love this about Julian is that Julian would sometimes kind of be around the bush and not show confidence in his young players. Cassidy shows confidence in everybody. And if he doesn't, he says it. And that's what I love because he's just a straight shooter. And I think the players respect that about him. And that's why, I mean, it's, he was up for a Jack Adams last year. He's definitely vaulted himself up to the top in terms of best coaches in the league. I would say he's got to be in the top five at this point. So the culture that they is awesome. And I think even when some of the core players like, uh, like Chara and like Bacchus, well, Bacchus is a core player, but like some of the older players, like Chara, Bacchus, Rask, Martian, Bergeron, all those guys, once they're out the door and guys like McAvoy and Carlo are seasoned veterans, they still may be like their cup window still may be open despite what people, despite people saying that it's that they don't have too much time left. And I think that's something you really have to look forward to as in, in, in terms of the future, because also you've got guys in, in Providence that aren't even up yet. Like Bjork, Studnika, who definitely have that, uh, that ability to carry a team and score goals for them, but just haven't, well, Studnik is a different case, but Bjork in particular. Like, we know what he can do. He just has to show it consistently. But also, you know, we're being, we're being positive, and that's what we should be. 
We didn't talk too much about this yet, and I want to get into this really quick and we'll all depart. But um, the goaltending has just been unbelievable. And there was an article today in The Athletic. I'm not sure if you guys saw it. I think it was uh, Fluto Shinzawa who wrote it, saying that basically the Bruins should re-sign Yaroslav Halak to a deal right now because he's going to hit free agency at the end of this year. And I've been on record as saying this a million times over, and I'll continue to say it. He's Don Sweeney's best season signing. And I think if you're going to continue this goalie tandem, I think fans probably would like to see something like this for years to come, considering Rask is a goalie that can't play 60 games a season. I mean, you saw the benefit of Halak in the last year. Rask was at his best. So moving forward, I mean, is this something that, you know, I know there's a lot of guys in the pipeline that they could give a shot to, but considering you're competing for a championship right now, is that something that we would be open to right now? I don't see why you wouldn't be open to it. I mean, their stats alone are so similar. Rask is 3-0, and Halak is 2-1. and um, Save percentage for Rask is 957. Halak's is a little better at 950. Um, yeah, a little lower at 951. And then you have both against 169 for Halak and then 133 for Rask. So you see how well they're both playing right now and how similar they are in stats. It's not like Halak is um, 0-2 or 0-3 or Rask is 0-3. You know, there's they're both playing on their heads. And it makes you wonder, like, is Halak playing for a contract? Because he does know that he's hitting free agency and he does know that he's got something good in Boston. At least I, I think, I don't know him, but I think he does. And... He knows that it's, it's you're going to the playoffs nine times out of ten every year. And why wouldn't you want to be part of this when you're praised for giving your starting goaltender so much rest where he can perform at close to 100% in the playoffs? And Cassidy said yesterday or the day before that his biggest thing is that he never has to worry about who he totes out there every night, who's in between the pipes every night, because... He knows who's, who he's going to put out there. They're going to give 100%. And if they don't win, it's not going to be because of their goaltending. It's going to be because of something else. And he said, because the goaltending is so strong, that gives him time to look forward and focus on what needs to be fixed, whether that is that second line or the third line. But having those two goalies is really crucial for this team. And I think it's crucial for the team this year and going forward. So even if it's a, a two-year deal, one-year deal with an option or front-loaded or something, they, they need to bring him back. They need to get it done before the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... We said it uh, two weeks ago. We said that there are, like, 20 to 25 teams that would make Halak their number one. And then, uh, Jesse, you and I said it in our season-closing episode, um, you know, right before the summer, that we had hoped that Halak would take the bulk of the games in October, November to really get Rask as fresh as possible. And I... You know, I still feel that way. Um, in terms of signing him, you know, we, we got to see how it lines up with the cap. But, of course, I, I'd be open to it. If I'm Halak, I'm not necessarily going to sign just because I could be a number one elsewhere. Um, so, you know, why would I do that? But um, but if I'm the Bruins, of course, I'm trying to lock him up as soon as possible because we, we want to keep this guy. Yeah, no, great. I just... I mean, the timing of it, like the timing of the article is just kind of funny to me because we're only like six or seven games into the season, but you're already seeing in that short amount of time how beneficial it is to have this one-two punch and goal. 
And there was something else I saw too. I don't I don't think it was in the same article, but somebody brought up and I know this is crazy, but I just I think it's it's fun to talk about this. The the Whalers in the conference finals last year went to Curtis McElhenney in game four. Yeah. The Penguins <laughs> benched Mark Andre Fleury and went with Thomas Vokun as their starter in the playoffs. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeah, a long what time if, ago. What if the Bruins, when they get to the playoffs, right? And this is all hypothetical because we're still in October. But what happens if they get to the playoffs and both goalies are playing so well that they do sort of a game to game, like they choose their starter on a given day? Like what happens if Rask gets one game and Hallock gets another game? Like I think it's an interesting scenario. I, I can't see it happening. It'll never but happen. The idea, is, the idea then is kind of fun to me. Yeah, you take one goalie and you ride him. And again, like you know, goaltending is not the reason they lost uh, in the end to St. Louis. Um, but. I would, you know, I do want to see the Bruins got really lucky with how the playoffs shook out um, last year and that they were able to keep uh, home court or home ice uh, throughout. Um, You can't bank on getting that lucky again. So that's why I feel really good about the goaltending situation, because we want that number one seed or as close to. um, And there's no there's nobody with a better goaltending situation than the Bruins right now. There's no one has a better one-two punch statistically and and eye test. Not at all. Um, Jack, did you want to do a fire round? Uh, not this week. I got you on the next one because I thought I okay. was missing this week. I thought I was missing this week. So to oh, all our listeners, okay. I, I, I love you and I'm so happy to be here. But I will say, it's a big. It's a big couple weeks. I, you know, we keep we the, the most the most common word dropped uh, this episode has been early about how early it is in the season. But again, you look at the rest of this month, um, which you know I I assume we're going to record again probably end of October. Um, so that's going to be after they play Tampa, Toronto twice, uh, St. Louis the Rangers, and the Sharks. So we're going to know, you know, we're going to know a lot more about this team in two weeks, uh, infinitely more. Lauren, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, I'm just excited for the next four games. I mean, they're they're tough opponents. Yeah. And not that the last six opponents weren't tough by any means, but these are the opponents you wait for. These are the games you mark down, no matter how early they are, because they're against division rivals and you have of course the blues so you obviously want to watch that game and i think whether crazy I, I don't know if i'm gonna be able to watch that game i think i'm just just looking at ryan o'reilly's using it to cry oh god that was he just destroyed us absolutely <laughs> destroyed us I, I have, like, I, the more I think about it now, I think I have, like, Jesse Pinkman-level uh, eh, PTSD from that. And I just, I don't want to, I can't look at the logo. I can't look at Twitter when I see their name mentioned. I can't look at the TV when they're playing. I just, I don't want anything to do with it. But we're sheep. We're sheep, so we're going to watch. Yeah, that's true. Also, <laughs> we should... We should also recognize Lauren because uh, she's now in her dirty thirties. Oh, that's right! Happy birthday! That's right! Happy birthday! She got uh, a hell of a birthday. She got Elton coming out on the same day as the Black Keys show, and then on the same day she turned thirty. That's a that's a hell of a birthday. I did. I, I rang it in right, so I I can't I can't complain. It was a it was a really good birthday. 
Yeah. 30s, I, I, I honestly, I'm 31 going on 32. Um, I don't understand why people get like scared of it or upset or whatever. It's been, been the best year so far. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. You know, I, I honored your birthday by waking up at 5.30 in the morning to watch El Camino, and then it was cut short because I had to take Becky to work. But no. just know that when I woke up, I was like, I got to watch El Camino before Lauren does so we can talk about it. And then I don't even – you didn't watch it that day, did you? I haven't. I'm watching it Saturday. I was going to watch it today, but then oh, I you stayed in bed. Watch it. Oh, I man. haven't. I stayed in bed like 2.30 today because it's my day off, and I'm just exhausted. And I'm waiting for Amazon packages, so I didn't want to. I need to sit down and watch the whole thing right through. So Saturday, as soon as Derek goes to work, I am watching it. Yeah, I have now watched it four times. Oh, I'm so excited for yeah. it. I, I'm no, I'm like one of those. Like I don't know, if Zach, you've ever watched Breaking Bad or whatever, but it is like one of those shows that I I've seen the whole series I think like four times, and I just I can't get enough of it. So, so I never, I never got breaking. into it. I never got into it. But when I, but I am aware that everyone considers it to be like one of the greatest shows ever. And but the one thing that I'm, one of the, um, one of the most common things I'm seeing about El Camino, um, without giving away any spoilers, I, I didn't see it, but you know, without giving any spoilers, everyone is saying that it wasn't bad, but it also just wasn't necessary. It's yeah, it's not necessary, but. To me, any Breaking Bad content I can get my hands on, I will welcome with open arms because we got eight seasons of Game of Thrones, and by the end of it, everybody was so sick of it. We got five or six seasons of Breaking Bad. We've got five seasons of Better Call. We're getting a fifth season of Better Call Saul, and it just still doesn't feel like enough. Like, I've had enough of Game of Thrones, and if I never, I love that show, but if I never see anything from it again, I'd be fine. But Breaking Bad, I still, like, I just want anything you can give me, I will take it. Love so, it. yeah, <laughs> whoever decided to get into the show, it is so worth your time. But, yeah, I, I think uh, that pretty much wraps it up. Do we have anything else we want to touch on before we get out of here? Um, just that, uh, you know, we are I, – I guess we can give Statement Games a shout-out. We, we're, we're looking into working with them again this season, and we hope we can because we've had a lot of fun with them. I'd love to see what Lauren can do um, with Statement Games if, if she's allowed to. I don't know what uh, – the rules and regulations are for her at her job, but um, if she's able to, I'd be excited to see how she does because you and I have struggled a little bit. Um, I love statement games. Uh, they're yeah. amazing. They're amazing. So yeah, we 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 partnered with them last season, and uh, we're we're hoping again to to work with them again um, this year. It's been nothing but a good relationship. So hopefully, speak to them soon. Um, and yeah, I mean, listen, it, 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 I think, I think the reason why the tone of this episode was maybe a little bit down is just because we got all these big games coming up and Krejci's out, which kind of fucks with the lineup a little bit, but overall five and one with barely any goals given up, uh, I, I'm, I'm elated. Yeah. There's a lot to be excited about, but you said it best. We'll find out a lot more about this team in the coming oh, yeah. weeks. So by the next time we record, I think. It won't be next Thursday. It'll be the following Thursday. So by that yep. point, I think they'll be playing the Sharks that night, or if that's a Saturday, I don't remember. But either way, we'll we'll have a lot of an- uh, questions answered. So uh, until that point, I think it's I think we're good to sign off. So for Zach Weiner, Lauren Campbell, Sam Tracy, I am Jesse Gaunt. So let's go Bruins.